welcome to ESMA Open Podcast. Today, I welcome Professor Manstein Kiest um, on the topic immune checkpoint inhibitors for every lung cancer patient, an update on immunotherapy in lung cancer. Professor, thank you so much for taking the time and recording this podcast for us. Coming to my first question, according to the recently published trials, which patients should receive an immune checkpoint inhibitor treatment in combination with chemotherapy as the first-line treatment for metastatic non-small cell lung cancer? Well, we had a lot of data recently, including at the ASCO 2018 meeting. And if you ask for which patient, it actually means you raise the question of subgroups. And in the past, when we talked about subgroups of advanced non-small cell lung cancer, we were mainly, we were mainly thinking about histology with pemetrexet and bevacizumab for non-squamous histology, etc. But now I think uh, in 2018, we should divide the patients differently. A first divider is whether there is an oncogene addiction, yes or no, such as EGFR, ALK, ROS1 or BRAF. And for these patients, it's clear that targeted therapies are preferred. But for the other, about 75% without oncogene addiction, I think it's no longer histology that is the main driver, but we have really come to the point where biomarker that learns us how to include immune checkpoint inhibition therapy in the treatment uh, becomes of very um, great importance. And then the question is, of course, which biomarker? Well, for the time being, I think it's certainly PDL1 expression. Uh, as measured by immunohistochemistry. It's not a black and white biomarker like EGFR mutation, yes or no. But in the meanwhile, it's prospectively validated to be predictive for both overall survival, progression-free survival, and objective response rate. There were some initial technical issues between the different tests, but they are largely settled now and we can look at the patients, and this comes to your question then, in high, intermediate, or no pdl one expressing tumors. This test is also well implemented in practice. Pathologists know it, it's fast, and it's affordable. So now coming to your question, looking in these subcategories, the optimal candidates for immune checkpoint inhibitor treatment in combination with chemotherapy are probably the patients with a tumor with an intermediate PDL1 value. This is what we learned from recent meetings, recent meetings, and I'm including AACR and ASCO 2018 now. At AACR, we had the Keynote 189 study. That was a study that compared doublet chemotherapy, platinum pemetrexet, with doublet chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab 200 milligrams every three weeks, and the outcome was a very strong uh, hazard ratio for overall survival in that subgroup, intermediate, of 0.55, highly significant, with a median overall survival of 12.9 months versus not reached in the group with doublet chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab. And at the ASCO meeting, we had the overall survival data presented of the so-called IMPOR-1 similar trial that looked at 
carboplatin paclitaxel de vancizumab as a standard backbone versus the same plus atezolizumab immune checkpoint inhibition therapy 1200 milligram every three weeks. There the hazard ratio was in that subgroup was 0.80 with a median of 16.4 with the backbone alone versus 20.3 with the addition of uh, atezolizumab. So I think Overall, the, the, the patients with intermediate PDL1 expression, that, that means between 1 and 49%, are perhaps the best candidates for this approach. We need to take into account, however, if we combine uh, the chemotherapy with the immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy, that there are about 60% grade 3 4 treatment related adverse event, and about 30% of the patients need to discontinue one or more components of the treatment because of adverse events. Thank you so much for this outline. And so coming back on this, basically, which patients would you regard to be eligible for an immune checkpoint inhibitor monotherapy? Well, coming back to the division that I just made, I think the best candidates for that approach are those with a tumor that is PD-L1, PDL1 high. It means more than 50% of the tumor cells expressing PDL1. This is based on the Keynote 24 study that was presented in the ESMO meeting of 2016. Keynote 24 was the comparison between doublet chemotherapy versus pembrolizumab 200 milligram every three weeks. And the data were very clear in patients with a tumor PDL1 high. Both progression-free survival has a ratio 0.50, as well as overall survival were clearly in favor of pembrolizumab. Moreover, in these pdl one high patients, if you give pembrolizumab monotherapy, it, the, the treatment-related adverse events are clearly in favor of that choice compared to doublet chemotherapy. With uh, less treatment-related adverse events and less discontinuation of therapy. But important at the recent ASCO meeting, because this is mainly what we are talking about, we also had the results of the very large Keynote 42 study, a similar uh, randomization of chemotherapy versus pembrolizumab, but now in patients that had a tumor with at least 1% PDL1 expression, meaning both the tumors with intermediate expression as with high expression could be included in that study. And in the high PDL1 expressing tumors, the data of Keynote 24 were more or less replicated with a hazard ratio for overall survival of 0.69 and clearly significant. So this is reassuring that the data from Keynote 24 were replicated in Keynote um, 42. However, in patients with intermediate expression of PDL1 on the tumor, the overall survival was much more complex. The curve crossed. Initially, the patients did better with chemotherapy. There was a crossing of the curve around the median of about 12 to 13 months. And later on in the curve, 
there was a slight advantage for pembrolizumab versus chemotherapy. But as a whole, this curve was non-significant and it was a hazard ratio for overall survival of 0.92. So in general, uh, these patients with intermediate PD-L1 are probably not the best candidates for immune checkpoint inhibitors monotherapy. However, I would, know, I would add that the clinical evaluation of the patient is also of importance for both categories. It's not a strictly formal choice according to the principles that I just mentioned, but we need to look at the patient as well. And I give two typical examples. If a patient has a highly aggressive tumor with a high tumor load, in some of these patients we see that the immune checkpoint inhibitor monotherapy may fail, and perhaps in these patients we may combine chemotherapy plus immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy, even if they are PDL1 high, which is an exception to what I just said. On the other hand, if you have a frail elderly patient with a tumor that is not so very aggressive because of reasons of adverse events, toxicity, you may perhaps choose immune checkpoint inhibitor monotherapy for that patient, even if he's intermediate in terms of PDL1 expression on the tumor, because you primarily think about reducing treatment-related events for that patient. Thank you so much um, for this very clear-cut explanation. So in your opinion, is there still a non-small cell lung cancer population that you would treat with first-line uh, chemotherapy without any immune checkpoint inhibitor? Well, looking at the two questions and answers that we just had, I think the candidates where we may think about chemotherapy alone are those with a PDL1 negative tumor. However, when looking at Keynote 189, the study presented at the meeting of the AACR, the hazard ratio for overall survival in that subgroup was still 0 0.59 with a median overall survival of 15 two-point months for the combination of chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab in those patients with a pdl one negative tumor. So compared with what, we re with what we were used to in the past from phase three trials before the immunotherapy era, this is still a quite important hazard ratio. We were used to 0.80, some even 0.85. But on the other hand, it needs to be weighed against the fact that the median overall survival with platinum pimetrexet, followed by pimetrexet maintenance therapy, was 16.9 months in the Paramount trial. Of course, in the subset of patients that were eligible for pemetrexate maintenance therapy. But here as well, we need to, to take into account that the combination adds treatment-related adverse events in combination with doublet chemotherapy alone. The discontinuation rate for adverse events was 28% in the combination arm versus 15% for the chemotherapy alone arm. So this is a close call, I think, where we need to look at patient preference, perhaps also at cost concerns, 
they may be of relevance in the choice we make in this pdl one negative patients. Thank you. And in which clinical situation would you consider an immune checkpoint inhibitor-based therapy for a patient with activating mutations? In general, uh, these are patients with activating mutations, oncogene drivers. So targeted therapies are clearly the preferred choices for these patients. Certainly, now that we have several generations of these drugs available for both tumors with EGFR mutation and tumors with ALK translocation. An immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy has been rather disappointing and only comes in later lines in this setting. Most patients with activating mutations have been excluded from recent trials with immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy. There's one exception, however, and it was also presented at the ASCO meeting 2018, the overall survival data of the trial called IMPOWER150. In that study, patients with a tumor with EGFR mutation or ALK translocation were allowed if they had previously been treated with one or more targeted therapies. In standard practice in that situation, when the possibilities for tyrosine kinase inhibitors is exhausted, they are treated with platinum doublet chemotherapy. In IMPOWER150, these patients were randomly assigned to carboplatin paclitaxel plus bevacizumab or carboplatin paclitaxel bevacizumab plus the immune checkpoint inhibitor atezolizumab. There was a small group in the study of patients with pretreated EGFR mutated tumors or ALK translocated tumors because they were allowed in the study. And in that subgroup, the overall survival was clearly in favor of the atezolizumab arm after failure of the TKIs with an important overall survival hazard ratio of 0.54. So this is encouraging, and it deserves further study. It is likely that the success of this strategy in this subgroup of patients with an activating mutation, EGFR ALK, is due to the interaction of uh, the atezolizumab and the bevacizumab, because it actually was a three-arm study, and when we look at the comparison of carboplatin paclitaxel plus atezolizumab versus carboplatin paclitaxel bevacizumab, so an immunotherapy arm without angiogenesis inhibition, there was no overall survival difference across those two arms. So probably it's the interaction between the immunotherapy and the anti-angiogenesis therapy that made the difference for these patients with uh, activating mutations. We also need to take into account that this is quadruple therapy, meaning it's given carboplatin plus paclitaxel plus bevacizumab plus atezolizumab. And this is, of course, translated in a quite important uh, rate of grade 3-4 treatment-related adverse events. So I think it's hopeful. It's a very interesting signal 
that deserves uh, further interest. Thank you, Professor Francini, for this very, very comprehensive overview on the current standard and an update on the immunotherapy in lung cancer patients. Have a good day. It was my pleasure.